guys, welcome to the We Need to Calm Down podcast. I'm Devin. And I'm Joe. And this is a show where we talk about all things Taylor Swift. That's right. This is a show where two friends finally get to let their dedication to their Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift, Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, that's an old joke, fly. <laughs> that's an OG joke, yeah. That's an OG joke. We'll be discussing everything from song breakdowns, Taylor news, and our insane fan theories. So what's going on with you, Devin? How you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm waiting for sushi. Uh, we're getting some sushi delivered soon, so I'm kind of kind of falling out, you know. I need to try sushi again. I really do. You do. It's so good. What What do you recommend if if someone was uh, too afraid to eat a Philadelphia and or California roll? That's what concerns me. <laughs> do, you, do you like avocado? I think I like guacamole. The fact that that's a loaded question concerns me. <laughs> Just, you're such you're a the pick- one that asked it. What no, do you mean I know. Con- I'm concerned because you're such a picky eater that if you don't even know if you like avocado, like I don't, I I have never had raw avocado. I've only ever had guacamole. Do so you like sweet potatoes? I f- I hate sweet potatoes. God, they are they are an affront to the potato. So if you don't like a California roll, you don't like an avocado. You wouldn't like an avocado roll or a sweet potato roll. You like chicken tempura, which is like the weirdest thing to like. There are sweet potato rolls. Yeah. Why? For the hell of it, I want you to try an eel roll. So we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. What are we talking about on this typical Tuesday night? So we are on our first song breakdown of folklore. We are go- going to break down the one. Oh yeah. I'm excited. The one song I didn't like at first. <laughs> yeah, you you suck. Uh, one quick note I want to go on, uh, a little bit of a brief aside before we get into the song breakdown. Uh, me and Devin have been having meetings and co- texts and conversations left and right, uh, trying to figure out the best way to tackle this album. Uh, this is the first time that we're actually going through the rigmarole of having this podcast while there's a new release out. So we're trying like figure out the best way to see how we want to get content to you guys. So uh, a couple of things that we've kind of decided to do is we've decided to update our posting schedule a little bit. Uh, we're still going to be posting every typical Tuesday night, uh, but we're going to actually add an additional episode every other Thursday, starting today, of course, because uh, this one posted on a Thursday um, in order to get the song date breakdowns for everyone out as soon as possible. Um, so w- it's going to be a we've kind of figured out the right way that we want to do it. You'll see the uh, final product as we start releasing these episodes. Um, but yeah, I think we have a good system down. We just, yeah, we just don't want it to be, you know, 16 weeks of just song breakdowns and then we're two months later and it's still going to be relevant because it's Taylor Swift, but we just wanted to get the content to you in a timely manner. 16, 16 weeks of nothing but song breakdowns. One doesn't allow us to like have any fun content that isn't about a song or theories or anything like that. But it also like 16 weeks is four months. Like, that's so long. Um, so this should help give it, give us, like, some leeway to throw in some fun content that's not specifically about one in-depth song. Exactly. But while we're doing that, let's talk uh, in-depth about The One. Yes, so some quick facts about the song. So the song comes in at 3 minutes 30 seconds. Uh, it is the opening track off of this album, and all right away, there's a little explicit tag which kind of threw everyone for a loop. They're like, whoa. So I remember when we downloaded that, when we went on Spotify and we were like, wait, why are there explicit tags on these songs? Mm -hmm. Right off the bat. It's the, uh, the second use of the word shit in her discography. 
Uh, it was written and produced by Aaron uh, Desner from The Nationals. Uh, he's never collabed with Taylor before this album, but this is not the last time he will do it. Um, Did So wait, you say written and produced. Did Taylor write any part of this song or is it No, all she him? wrote it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So when I when I'm I'm always going to say written produced in part by Aaron Desner. He produced it. She didn't produce the songs, but whenever it comes to writing, he's just like a co-writer. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I was like, "Wait a minute. There's no way Taylor didn't write the songs." No. No, no, no. How dare you? <laughs> and then uh some of the credits on there include uh there's percussion, there's synthesizer, there's violin, viola, synth bass, mellotron, electric guitar, acoustic guitar and piano. So right off the bat you know that this album and the song are going to be acoustic heavy, which we'll get into later when we talk about the music behind. This is the second time I'm hearing the word mellotron on this episode. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember from the first time. You never you never forget when you hear about a mellotron. Um, <laughs> let's hear let's go into some context so this is the opening track it has this weird relationship when i think about like the one it kind of has a sense of longing and like kind of reminiscent which you'll see throughout the album but it kind of feels like i almost do where it's like you're thinking back to like what could have been if we if we tried and you know if you were the one like how would that and with I almost do it's like I almost went back to you and every time I don't I almost do it's it's a similar feel for me that's so interesting because I didn't think of that at all during this song and then the second you put it down like on our notes I was like wait a minute wow and it's it's very much like a more upbeat version of the of I almost do I don't see myself crying to this song like I would almost do which is good that's growth <laughs> <laughs> we're growing with Taylor but yes so one thing I will note about the song that's kind of interesting and also bothered me a lot uh, is people speculated that this song uh, is Taylor Swift's, Taylor Swift's breakup song about Joe. How do you say his last name? Alwyn? 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 Uh, Alwyn. I think Sounds Alwyn. Um, but people are wrong, but they speculate just the same. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's going to speculate a Taylor Swift album. That's the experience. Oh yeah, that's like that's that's built in. That's the price of submission. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's that at all. Uh, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, but I love the implications of the lyrics that she's singing. One thing that's interesting uh, that you can probably tear me apart for uh, is Brie Larson actually recently posted a cover of her singing this song. Did she really? Yeah, she did. I watched it today. Uh, She's apparently launching a YouTube channel. So I guess we're plugging Brie Larson's YouTube channel here. Love her. Fun fact, Joe hates Brie Larson. You, Joe, not Joe Alwyn. Not Joe Alwyn. Could you imagine? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, no, me, 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 no, like, uh, Brie Larson, uh, for, for not, I, I, I can't really explain it. And this isn't the time. Um, <laughs> also while doing research for this, uh, album, I learned that Black Bear, uh, an artist that I'm starting to really grow on, uh, has also has a song called The One. And weirdly enough, it has the exact same spelling, like same lowercase, same, just number one instead of spelled out the one. So that's a fun quinky dink. I've learned that because when I've Googled like the lyrics to it, that song comes up first and I'm like, no, no, Black Bear, you, you're going to be taken down soon and replaced with Taylor Swift, but enjoy it while you can. Also, first time I've ever spelled out Dink, so that was weird. <laughs> Dink. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll keep going through. Uh, I think it's really interesting that this is one of the standout upbeat tracks in the record of like, what, are there only like five? 
maybe. A beat track's probably less than five. Yeah, it feels like, I think I was trying to be very, like, generous, but yeah, only five. Um, and this has been a standout track among many true fans uh, as being one of the better songs on the record. That was a low blow. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. No, I keep, I still consistently get texts from people saying this is one of their favorite songs. And I've actually, I've dropped it down significantly in my rankings. But the last power rankings we put out um, like uh, during week two, it was like nine for me. It just plummeted. But I think it's slowly rising back up. <sighs> I know all my friends say the same thing and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just can't. I think we did like do some deep dives and figure out why you might not have liked it, but we will get to that. I like it more. You do like it more now? Good, good. So we, we're going to go through some, uh, some quick lyrics in this song. We did, we did like a whole show about lyrics last week or last Tuesday. Jeez. It's so weird. Um, but we're, we're going to go a little bit deeper into this one. So, we're not gonna we're we're gonna mention it, but we're not gonna talk too much about it because I think we've talked everyone's ear off about the opener. I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit. Revolutionary, amazing opener. A cultural reset. <laughs> Literally. But such a great opener. Best opening line for this album. Taylor, un, unsurprisingly, knocks it out of the park again. Yeah. We have the lyric, you know, the greatest films of all time were never made. It's this film motif that really pops up throughout the album. Uh, cute little, not cute, but it's, you know, just a note that all these great films were never made. Yeah, it's kind of cute. The lyric, if you wanted me, you really should have showed kind of reminds me of I almost do. Like I said earlier, it's like you should have been there. I like I like you. You noted this one, but we were something. Don't you think so? Mm-hmm. It's just like. I love the we were something, don't you think so? It's like the questioning at the end. It's like you're wanting reassurance. It's like, you know, we were something, right? Like, please let me know that we were something. That's great. I can use this when I try to get back with my ex. Perfect. No. <laughs> no, I'm here now. I'm going to prevent that. No exes. New era. That's, wasn't that, that was like one of the tweets we shared with each other. It was like, we were we were texting about this album. We were like, oh god, I want to text my ex. And then like there was a tweet that said, "All right, I know all you Swifties are listening to folklore, but this is a, a sweeping reminder: do not text your ex." <laughs> yes, stamp of approval. Oh. But it, it, I, I get exactly what you mean. Like, and there's a lot of lines like this throughout Taylor's discography, and even on this record. And I think we've mentioned this a lot, but like parallels to "Can I Go Where You Go," um, like you can just see. The way that one Taylor talked about that line uh, when she wrote it, um, she really she really loves that idea of that simplistic questioning that comes with a relationship and a deep question, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see it's starting to like trickle through the rest of the stuff that she's been doing. And it reminds me of a line that's in peace, like just like that. Would it be enough if I never give you peace? Just like these simple questions, but they carry so much weight behind them, especially this one in such an upbeat song, too. Do you want to talk about the next line? Yeah, no. So one thing that I noticed, like, I, I, I think I'm the only one that, like, points out this line or, like, cares about this line. Um, but Roaring Twenties, Tossing Pennies in the Pool. This just reminds me of Great Gatsby. Like, I, I just see a lot of this album does. It has, like, very Gatsby undertones to it. Um, but we know Taylor loves Gatsby. She's referenced it before. Um like parties like him stuff like that she i think she even name drops him in reputation um but roaring 20s also if we want to go back to red 
that was when she wrote 22. She was in the middle of her 20s. Um, like, there's a lot that can be pulled from this line. She also uses the word, the number 20, a lot throughout her this album for some reason. I, I don't know. I haven't done any research into what that could mean. But, I mean, it's Taylor. It's got to mean something. <laughs> I just want to point out, too, before we get any further with uh, any songs, uh, any further song breakdowns, there is so much reference to her older discography that that's going to be a whole episode in itself. Just the amount of parallels you can draw in the Easter egg. She said, you know, there's no Easter eggs in the promotion because there was no promotion for this album. So all of the Easter eggs lie within the album. So it's going to be really fun to piece like, oh, you know, Roaring Twenties, Gatsby, Gatsby came in from here and all this kind of stuff. So we're really excited to do that. But we'll probably do like a two hour episode on something like that. Like I'm, I'm excited to do how all we we might do one episode where we link all the lyrics to the other songs in this album and then do another episode where we link all the lyrics to other songs from other albums. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for all the content for this for this album. This is the best present we could have ever gotten. Ah, thank you, Taylor. Uh, and then the last lines I really liked. In my defense, I have none. I think that's just a nice little play on, you know, someone trying to defend themselves and they're like, you know, I don't have any defense. It's nothing. And then another lyrical kind of pun. We never painted by the numbers, baby, but we were making it count. I thought that was so clever. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ooh, paint by the numbers. And then uh, the last line, uh, for digging up the grave another time. And I think that just is reminiscent of, I'm sorry for gr- digging up the grave another time, like for trudging dr- this back up again. For texting your ex. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh my gosh, and that links to another. Ah, uh, sorry. Another song. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just all linked. It's all. I feel like, I feel like that, that it's always sunny meme where it's just like, it's all connected. Just Charlie, just <laughs> yeah. So those are pretty much the lyrics that we have. But now we're gonna get into the music behind the lyrics, which is the part of the show where Devin explains how music works to Joe. I swear to God, if you do this joke one more time, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I actually do have something to teach you, though. Okay. Legitimately. So uh, we're gonna start off. The song is in C major, and then uh, it's 140 beats per minute. And Joe at first did not know what beats per minute was. He, te- he was texting okay. me separately. Technically, I know that it means like how many beats like I, I get the concept, but like for some reason, I can't figure out like what the I, I don't want to sound stupid, but I feel like I am. OK, no, you're not stupid because it, it makes sense. And, you know, when you think about the BPM, how many beats per minute, it doesn't necessarily negate. I mean, it kind of does like how fast versus slow a song is, but it's how many beats. There's more beats, meaning that there's just more going on. So. The lowest one on the album was Exile, and then the fastest one is Peace. So we're gonna use those two as a quick example. So beats per minute um, is counted by um, using your time signature. So most songs are in uh, four, four, most traditional songs, which is one, two, three, four. And that's how you calculate how many beats in a measure. There's four beats in that measure. So that's four, four. Then when you have a song like uh, Exile, it would be like, uh, I can see standing, honey. But and then so the movements I'm making with my hands, I'm gonna do with snaps. But I'm gonna do it back here so the mic doesn't freak out. But um, you would count the beats for exile. So it's like underneath like those bass beats, which is I can see standing, honey, with his arms around your body. And you notice how it's like slower. 
Meanwhile, with peace, it would be, um, trying to think of a good line to start it with. Um, would it be enough if I can never give you peace? That's the thing. It's I'm just nuts to me because peace doesn't. It doesn't. Oh wow! Now I hear it. Yeah. Suddenly the summer is clear. I never had the courage of my conviction. But it sounds like when you listen to the song and you don't really think about the beats for a minute, it sounds like a slower song because of the instrumentation, and it just—it's all context. That's what I was gonna say. Like, if if you had to give me, if you had to give me, like, what what was the the highest beats per minute on this record? I would say, easily say The One or Betty or something like that, but I would never guess Peace. I thought The Last Great American Dynasty was going to be the highest one because it sounds like a very fast pace, but Peace would not be my first guess. But 140 for this one is still up there in, in terms of the uh, overall record. Yeah, so... Uh, now we're going to talk about the actual music. I just wanted to get those quick facts out there. So, um, trying to think of, uh, bum, bum, like the beginning, there's just a simple F chord to C chord. It actually doesn't even start with drums yet. It just starts with those two piano chords, just F to C and F to C. And then these like these little guitar strums, like, dur, dur, dur. and then there's a synth bass that comes in. Uh, the song is in C major. That's what Joe contributed. Um, oh, you just repeated the same things. <laughs> I'm like, I said this already. Um, but yeah, so it's just like a very simple song, very groovy, just dun, 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 dun. Um, And then the first time we get a different chord is, uh, you know, the greatest films of all time were never made, which is this D minor chord. And it's a minor chord, so it kind of like shifts the tone a little bit. And it's right before that transition into the pre-chorus. And like you think about the song, you may know the greatest films of all time were never made. It just kind of like dampens the mood a little bit. And then you reminisce and you're back to that F and C chord. Um, and now that I was like, I was actually looking and like listening to it over and over again, looking at the chords. I'm like, why don't I like this song? Because it doesn't sound like at first I thought that the chords didn't make sense, but it does like it, the chords do make sense. Um, and it's pretty much very uh, it's pretty much the same instrumentally until we get to the chorus and then you have these strings like the violin the viola the cello just kind of like come in like very softly and you get this like ambience that kind of builds around it but it's very slight because I didn't notice it until I listened to it multiple times and that's why I think it sounded weird to me what is that face so so are you saying that you were wrong was that it the entire time you're just like <laughs> No, actually, there's another thing, but I, I just I'll never miss a, a point to, to point that out. This is something that I don't think I've ever I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast in an episode that has come out yet. Um, but for an episode that we did that is now on the on the cutting room floor because of folklore, um, I, I did a, a lyrical analysis of all too well. And one of the things that I've noticed and that I'm beginning to notice more and more and more and more in Taylor's work is in All Too Well. And let me see if I can pull up the lyrics. And I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent and completely hijacking your specific section of this uh, thing. And I'm very, very, very sorry for it. And I hope you forgive me. But in, in All Too Well, uh, you see the first stanza says, I walked the door through the air was cold. All right, cool. You're with someone. Pretty positive line. Something about it felt like home somehow. Really positive line. Left my scarf there at your sister's house. Still pretty positive, and you still got it in your drawer even now. Ooh, little sad. Sweet disposition, wide-eyed gaze. Positive. We're singing in the car, getting lost of state. Positive. Autumn leaves falling down like pieces into place. Positive. And I can picture it after all these days. Negative. She does this, and if you go through the rest of the song, it follows this this exact same pattern of 
she likes to end stanzas on a negative and then go back to a positive and then end on a negative, go back to a positive and on a negative. And you just, you going through and saying like, um, the greatest films of all time were never made. She, uh, I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit. Been saying yes instead of no. Thought I saw you at the bus stop. I didn't though. Sad. Like, oh, sorry. Sorry, I had a brief tangent. There. No, it's good. It's a good lyrical analysis of that. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, and no, it pairs up nicely with that music because those chords do change sometimes. Um, and then you have the part where she says, I guess you never know, never know. And it's another day waking up alone. And at the beginning of that line, you have just like that simple piano, everything else cuts out. And I love... I will always say whenever you're mixing a song, you should always have this one part of silence because it makes everything else sound louder when you bring it back. Kind of like how, well, when Jack Antonoff was talking about a bridge, like you just have this simple piano and then at the end, waking up alone, all of a sudden you have the strings just kind of like swell up to the chorus and it's all very subtle. Like it isn't a big production type of number, but it's just these little things that add up and really just make this ambiance in your head. Um, Overall, it's pretty instrumentally consistent throughout the song. Like I said, um, towards the end of it, there's strings that kind of come in more, but that's really towards like the bridge and the chorus. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail to this because I saw it on Twitter and it's crazy. The last sounds of it, I think it's a Mellotron or whatever it is at the end, but you know, uh, if you could have been the one, and then like this weird, like, like, like weird sound comes in and it sounds just like the introduction to Cornelia Street. Someone did, um, like, um, on Spotify, they linked the two songs at the end and had like a crossfader on and it just flows perfectly. Like, what does that mean? Why did she do that? Like, you didn't have to end the song like that. There's no instrumental reason why you had to end that song like that. It did not fit with the entire rest of the song. Why? Why? Tell me why. I'm genuinely asking. I can't, I can't even think why. Like, like this record, not even this record, this song is fairly negative. And like, and it's it's going over like how this love didn't work out and everything. And Cornelia Street is the the opposite, right? The only reason I could potentially think of between linking the two is you know you could have been the one, and then it flashbacks to images of Cornelia Street where you were starting to like fall in love and you found that person. I I, I would never walk it again, and it's you reminiscing about that because then it goes into honestly because then it goes into um, cardigan where you're walking, and it's just like. I, I said that at the beginning of this. I was like, I, I'm like, why, why does this song, why does Cardigan start with walking? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't figure that out. You're in the beginning of a flashback. How does, how does, I gotta look up Cornelia Street real fast because I, 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 I gotta admit, like, I don't know much about that song off the top of my head. Um, all I know is how it relates. It starts with a. Uh... We were in the back street. Drunk on something stronger than the drinks in the bar. Rent a place on Canary Street, so casually in the car. But that just makes me think that, you know, Cardigan is this kind of like, it's not a flashback, I don't think. I think Cardigan, if anything, is more current than Betty in August, but. To me, and I think we've we've gone over this a couple of times, and I think, I don't know where we both fall on it, but I think Cardigan takes place much, much, much later in Betty's life than, um, than the rest of the trio. Um, I hope I never lose you. Hope it never ends. I'll never walk Cornelia Street again. I don't want to lose you. But it's just like a dink that just doesn't make sense. 
Unless you really think about it. Unless you <laughs> the, unless you want to say the levels of Kowinky Dink on this on this episode way too high. Way too high. <laughs> unless you want to make the argument that Cornelia Street is about Carly Claus and the one is also about Carly Claus and she's reminiscent. Of course you want to make that. Of course you want to make that. Kaler till the day I die. <laughs> I'm just, I, before you even knew I was gone. I wonder I wonder how Cornelia Street ends. Like if that flows into Cardigan. The 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 only thing that like gets me with this that I think is a, a little bit harder for me to wrap my head around is um is Cornelia Street being a flashback instead of a continuation. So like in my head, if if the ending of the one meshes perfectly with Cornelia Street, it would be the reverse of Cornelia. It, it should be Cornelia Street meshing perfectly into the one. Um, so that's my only like. I don't think the ending of Cornelia Street's like that, though. No, definitely not. No. But just the ending of Cornelia Street. I rent a place on Cornelia Street. I, I think it just ends. I say casually. Yeah. I think it just kind of like fades out. Yeah. I, I don't think it. I don't think it has like a an outro kind of thing after that. Very curious. We'll have to. We'll have to do some. We'll have to do some uh, some deeper dives on that. All right. Well, that is pretty much all I have to say about the one. I don't really have a lot more. Yeah, this one was a bit of a quick one. Like, I, it's it's weird because like we have been talking so much about this album that we don't want to, we don't want to like over discuss things we've already discussed. Um, this song doesn't have. I I wouldn't say it has the the quality of depth of lyrics that a lot of the other ones do but it is like a different like it's more of a an original taylor like it's very poppy uh it's the poppiest song on the album i would say um so it, it, it kind of is like wading into the deeper water of like all right we're starting with where you're vaguely familiar and then we're gonna go into the more indie indie stuff with cardigan cardigan's still kind of poppy but it's a little bit less upbeat than this um so do you have you have you liked it more now that you're listening to it more? Because I had to do the song analysis and I listened to it on repeat, I do like it more. It is still not probably in my top eight, like the top half of the album. I think it's if anything, it's towards the top of the middle, like the top of the the top of the bottom eight. I think I think that's about where it is for me. I think like I I like I said my last on uh, week two my song my power rankings uh went down to about it went all the way down to nine but i think it's gonna it's gonna end up at the bottom half of the top eight i would say for me which i think is a good spot for it because like i i can see how casual fans of taylor love this song more than like impassioned fans um and i think that's mostly what i've been seeing like a lot of my friends that are like hardcore swifties uh they're like it's a good song but it's not like they they just have other favorites but everyone who I know is like, oh, I listen to her occasionally. It's their number one. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen that with people that have casually listened to this album who didn't before. They're like, I love the one. And I'm like, interesting. They don't know that there's so much more. They don't they don't they just don't understand. We've actually we actually have a decent amount of time. Do you want to do uh, one of our new segments? Sure. Why don't you introduce it to everybody? All right, well, this was your idea. Well, then I'll introduce it to everybody. Yeah, you introduce it, because you take credit for this really, really, really good idea. So, because I love puns, I wanted to think of an idea that, you know, we can just kind of do for fun, 
throughout, you know, if an episode ends too early. And so the name of the segment is called End Games. Like the song End Game, and because it's at the end of an episode and we're playing a game. It was so much better before you went into that. <laughs> wow. So what we're gonna do is uh, But you gave but you gave me crap for my joke of suicide. <laughs> Yes, that's still awful. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty bad. So <laughs> we're going to do a BuzzFeed quiz because we are millennials. Well, I'm technically a zillennial, but whatever. Um, but so, Joe, why don't you tell me the one that you picked out? All right, so I'm going to do one. This is mostly going to be just for you. I think it'd be more. I think this is more of a we both can't do it. Uh, one of us do or one of us has to. Um, or actually, screw it. I'll, I'll open I'll open this in a I'll open two of them. I'll throw up a second one. So, sorry, I, I kept I kept talking without telling you what we're doing. We're doing a BuzzFeed quiz entitled, which, can, can we guess your relationship status with these questions about Taylor Swift's folklore? Me and, Ta me and Devin, as of right now, are single AF. I don't think that's gonna change by the time we drop this episode, nope. but. <laughs> Could you imagine, oh my gosh. I met the love um, of my life. During a pandemic. <laughs> During a pandemic where I don't leave my house. <laughs> um, so I have one on the left, one on the right. I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna ask these questions and answer them for both of us and see uh, if if BuzzFeed can get the fact that we are both single AF. Single as Pringle. Uh, so right, right, <laughs> right now, which folklore song title best describes your life at this moment? <laughs> Jesus, hoax, peace, cardigan, exile. Mirror Ball or Betty. Betty. I feel like what describes your life right now, I feel like everyone should be exile because we're in the middle of a... Oh, that's a good point. That's a... But that's mine. I, I think exile is mine. I'm going to go with hoax. I'm going to go with hoax. Um, all right. Which folklore lyric best describes your relationship status? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think I know which one we're both picking. Uh, I'm going to pick that. I'm going to do that one last. Uh, you were never mine. Will you have me? Will you love me? Love you to the moon and to Saturn. They say move on, but I know you won't. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. Oh, after after another episode, that one just punched. And, I, and, uh, and, I, and it's another day of waking up alone. <laughs> That one. Um, yep. I was going to say, that's definitely the one for both of us. There's a lot of options. There's like six options. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there's like six for each one. Which old Taylor Swift song do you relate to the most? Lover, Bad Blood, Shake It Off, Mine, Enchanted, or All Too Well? I think right now I'm going to go with Shake It Off. That's the first time anyone has ever said that. Uh, I'm going to go with All Too Well. Uh, it's between All Too Well and Enchanted. I would never, I don't... Yeah, which describes your life right now? I'm just wallowing. Really? <laughs> I was going to say, you're just in a constant state of wallow. I'm just, yeah, I'm just constantly wallowing. Uh, <laughs> that'd be the name of an album. That'd be a great name, Wallowing. Uh, which old Taylor Swift song is your favorite? Uh, I don't like this. Soon You'll Get Better is now an old Taylor Swift song. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? That's the, li that's the life we're living. Uh, Red, How You Get the Girl, You Are in Love, Back to December, or Teardrops on My Guitar. It's between two for me. Say them one more time. 
Uh, teardrops on my guitar, back to back to December. You are in love. How to get the girl. Soon you'll get better or red. I'm going to say back to December. I knew it. That was it. That, mine was between back to December and red. I picked red. That was also between mine. Really? I would have thought you were in love because I thought you loved that song. It's good, but compared to this other two. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Last but not least. This is weird. Uh, love is dot, dot, dot. Uh, caring so much that you feel like you're going crazy. I don't see how this has anything to do with Taylor. Uh, familiar and warm, like your favorite cardigan. Uh, laughing and talking shit with your friends for hours. Uh, when they kiss you in front of all their stupid friends. I added the stupid. Uh, sneaking off to see them even when you're not supposed to or doing anything for that person. What was that second option you read? Uh, familiar and warm, like your favorite cardigan. That one. Love for you is that. Hmm. I feel like the, I'm not gonna, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I feel like the rest of them are all toxic, except for the laughing and shit talking. Yeah, but I'm really toxic. Uh, doing anything for that person when you kiss her in front of all your friends. Caring so much that you feel like going crazy. That's me. Oh my gosh. All right, all right. So yours, I wonder what I would have got if I didn't pick that one. Uh, yours are, relationships are cool, but you don't need one right now. In my defense, I have none. Never leaving well enough alone, but it would have been fun if you would have been the one. Hey, look at that. Appropriate. That's very accurate. Yes. Thank you, BuzzFeed. What is yours? <laughs> Mine? Mine is you've recently been hurt by someone you've trusted. No one likes a mad woman. You made her like that. I've been single for three years. I know, but you are in the state of consistently wallowing, so I feel like you live in the hurt. You've been hurt recently. Yep, three years recently. Oh, gosh, that's great. That was fun. I actually really like that. I hope hope we have some short episodes coming up because this was really fun. Endgames. Endgames. Yeah, well... That was a great idea for a segment. I'm really glad we finally got to put that in an episode. Yes, awesome. We'll have to include that in the description so people are like, what's that? All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you want, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell a friend about us. Rate us five stars. Just positive affirmation all the way around. <laughs> words of words of affirmation. That's our love language. Uh, follow us on social media, YouTube. Uh, you can find us at We Need to Calm Down Podcast or let me see if I can do this because Devin does it right every time. W N T Y D. No. no. <laughs> Where did I put a Y? Where did I get a Y? W N T C P D T C D W N T C D. WNTCD. Podcast. Got there. Perfect. <laughs> um, you can, on Twitter, uh, leave a comment, DM, let us know what you think. If you have any suggestions for an episode or content, let us know. Thank you, guys. Come back. We'll be here. Mm-hmm.